apologize for being on my phone in worship, but uh, I didn't see my wife. Usually she's here. Uh, but she went to pick up Helen to come to Sunday school and worship. Helen had a little fall. She's okay. Uh, but Judy was waiting for her daughter Jan to come and take over. Okay, so Helen's okay. Judy's okay. Randy's a little frazzled, but it's all right. <laughs> all right, let's go to the fifth chapter of James. We're ending, concluding our study of James. And we will look at this last section. We kind of did the uh, introduction to uh, prayer and what that means. Um, last week? Uh-huh. I just turned on my thing, so that's, that's probably why that happened. Uh, so we're looking, we're going to go through these verses here at the end of James. These are well known to uh, pretty much everybody who's uh, been around. And if you look, where is it? Oh, well, it used to be there. Uh, it's, it's on the back. If, if you are in need, call the elders and we will pray for you. Uh, and we have done that many times. Uh, and this is the passage that that comes from. And we do that because we believe that prayer changes things. Okay, it doesn't change God. Remember last week we talked about prayer changing things. And prayer is one of the vehicles that God uses to do that. Okay? It is not a secret. Um, it's not like you get into a club and you do the secret thing and you're in. Uh, there's no magic to it. It is simply putting ourselves humbly before the Lord, seeking his will, praying our desires, and that praying also that his will would be done in those situations. So if you're able, would you stand with me as we come to James chapter 3, verses 13 through the end. So our Heavenly Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would descend upon us. Open our eyes to what you have for us today. Give us insight into your word how we are to pray and how we are to trust in your awesome power. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Chapter 5, verse 13. Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth for its fruits. My brother, if any among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wanderings will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. This is God's inspired word for us today. So please be seated. Now, if you've ever been on a retreat or somewhere where it was a a particularly uh, spiritually 
um, exciting, spiritually enriching um, event, maybe a weekend, an entire week, and then you come back and you're just all jazzed up and, and you know, life is good. But then, what, you come face to face with real life and, and the mountaintop seems a little bit farther away. And why can't I be there all the time? Well, it, it's tough to be there all the time um, because sometimes the Christian faith is, is just slogging it out and getting through. And we know that especially in our times of trial and times of uh, suffering. Uh, Lord, uh, the mountaintop seems far away, but yet he is with us no matter what. So Paul tells us in all things to rejoice, but the reality is we find it kind of difficult to rejoice in trials, whether they be physical or mental or spiritual or personal or financial, whatever they believe are. Believers get depressed, we get sick, we run into difficulties, we get pushed to the brink of where we don't think we can stand it any longer. Um, So what should we do? Well, James says we should pray. Is that it? How about something concrete, Rand? Well, it's concrete if we believe that we pray to the one who can change our circumstance, who can change the heart of the person who is oppressing us, who is making our life so difficult. I can remember in, uh, when I worked in Youth for Christ and we would try to get involved in a new high school and usually it was the principal who's the gatekeeper of the school. Some principals were like, I've been waiting for you guys to come. Where have you been? And I was, well, we got here as fast as we could. And, and other principals are saying, you don't step on my campus. And so for that principal, we would pray for either revival of their heart or removal. Not from the earth, but from the school. Okay? <laughs> uh, and, and one in, I, I can remember that we have seen revival in principals' hearts as they talked to other principals and said, well, this is a great program in the school and you know, we just, they can come on, check in the office, go down to lunchroom, that's, that's what we did, and hang out, and, and it was really making a difference. Uh, other principals who said, no, camp, can't come on to our campus, um, amazing, they didn't last more than a year, okay, whether they got a promotion to another school, took another job, whatever it was, revival or removal. Um, we would much rather have revival uh, than removal, but such was the prayer. Why? Because we believe that God could change those circumstances to facilitate ministry and the presentation of the gospel. So James says, pray. Peter tells us, cast all your cares upon him. Paul says, pray continuously. Um, The author of Hebrews says, draw close to the Lord because he is the author and perfecter of our faith. So the whole of Christian life is to be lived in communion with God. We, we don't stop praying. That doesn't mean I'm always, you know, there's always a background tape in my mind praying. But at any moment, if something comes up, the Lord is ready to hear our prayers. And we are ready to go to him. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was an uh, English uh, pastor, said the one urge which should never be resisted is the urge to pray. You have the urge to pray? Let's do it. Okay, right now. Now remember, James has given us very test, various tests of our Christian faith as we have gone through his letter. And one of those tests now, I think, is do you pray? And do you pray in faith? Now understand, as we will look at this as we go through, it is not your faith that changes anything. It is God who changes things. Okay? He calls us to pray, and how? In faith. 
the faith that he will act in his perfect timing. So do you believe the Lord can change things? Or do you just pray because it is a perfunctory, a perfunctory duty of the Christian life? Okay. I hope you're praying because you believe God can change things in our lives. Remember the hymn? You know, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Why? All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Everything. What? Uh, he's not concerned about that. Yes, he is. He is concerned about the smallest thing in your life. He is concerned about the biggest thing in your life. He's concerned about your sorrows and your joys. And you, even when you think he's not paying attention, take it to the Lord in prayer. We're to live the Christian life so that every pleasure, every suffering, every trial is understood to be from the hand of our Heavenly Father. And he desires to give us good things, but remember, he's the one who defines good. And, and that is a caveat we just do not like. Okay, We just don't like it. Because God thinks there are good things for Randy's life, which I may not think are good for me. But they're going to conform me to the image of Christ. They're going to take this lump of clay and put me on the wheel and mold and shape me into what the Lord has for me. And hopefully I'm going to come out looking more and more like Christ. And some of those shapings are very, very difficult and painful. But they're for our good. I don't like it. But that's what it says. That's what it says. John Calvin said there's no time in which God does not invite us to come to him. Okay, we don't have to get his attention. Right? We looked at that last week. It's not as if the Lord is busy over here and we've got to get, hey, Lord, are you paying attention to me? Or he's asleep or anything. No, he is always there. The question is, are we? Are we always willing to go to the throne to which he invites us? Cheerfulness, sorrow, go to the Lord in prayer. God wants us to talk to him anytime, all the time. In trouble, in comfort, in joy, go to him in prayer. Now, James starts this out, and let's begin with the easy stuff of what he says that we are to do. Um, is anyone cheerful? Sing praise. We learned that in Sunday school, right? If you're happy and you know, clap your hands, stomp your feet, shake your head, you know, you're wiggling around, and that's what you should do. And maybe you have experienced that, and you're driving down 565, and life is so good, and you got the radio blasting, or you got your Pandora on, or you're just, you're just singing, you know, the, those hymns we learned as a kid, and they, they just come pouring out of us, and somebody passes you, or you're at the light, the worst thing is at the light, and you're just jamming away. Sing praise. If life is good, you should praise the Lord. Okay, Psalms. Uh, so many to, to mention from the Psalms about how to praise God. And that's what James as well as Jesus and many others say that we are to do. That was the easy stuff. We like to praise God. Okay, Whether you can sing or not, when you're in your car by yourself, and, and you know, I, I like to listen to uh, uh, Pandora and usually the Gettys, and I'm singing with uh, uh, one of those guys from there, and I just sound like, like I should be up there on the stage with them. But if you turn the radio off, it doesn't sound that good. Okay, um, but we're supposed to sing praises to the Lord. Now let's go to the hard stuff. When life is tough, when you are not spiritually strong, 
when you are sick, what should you do? Do the same thing, you pray. You go to the Lord in prayer, or if you are so sick that you can't, you ask the elders to come and pray over you. Pray over you. Now, traditionally, this passage has been understood pretty much straight as we have, have seen it here. Um, it applies to physical healing, but there's been some scholarship that says, well, it's more spiritual healing. When you're spiritually weak or weary or exhausted, uh, spiritually depressed, that's what its application is. Well, you call and the elders will come. We don't care if you're physically ill, physically sick, spiritually depressed, looking for insight, uh, whether... We'll come and pray, whether it's cancer, spiritual confusion, weakness. I'm going to have surgery next week. Will you come and pray? The passage is about coming and praying to the one who can change things. So let's look. Is anyone among you sick? Verse 14. So if it, the word sick, is, as we'll see in a moment, this is pretty serious. So you call for the elders to pray over you. So James is linking healing with prayer as exercised by the elders who trust in the Lord. So this is a chain, one all the way up to the Lord. Healing with prayer exercised by the elders who trust in God's divine intervention. The elders are praying so that you will get well. Okay, This is not uh, extreme unction or last rites or anything like that. They're not coming to say goodbye. They're coming to, pr to pray over you with the expectation that the Lord will work. Will he? That's his business. That is his business. But this is what he calls us to do. 